December 1. Can you believe it? First week of December. There's five Sundays in December this year. Yeah, I've been looking forward to uh, starting this series all year long. Uh, we were going to do it back in the summer, and then we moved to, uh, to December. We're going to be studying 10 of the Bible's altars. And we're going to study five here in the worship service and five in small groups. And so if you want the bonus material, you have to be in a small group. Uh, the first small group lesson for today is on the altar Jehovah Jireh uh, that Abraham made uh, to sacrifice his son Isaac. And the name is God Will Provide, Jehovah Jireh. And it's a, it's a showing forth that God would provide Messiah. And as we get into this Christmas season, we're going to see uh, these indicators that the altars gave to who Jesus would be and why he would come and what he represented. And so this first Sunday of the series, we are going to look at the first altar that's ever mentioned in Scripture. And so we'll call today's message, uh, believe it or not, the first altar, okay, since it's on the first altar mentioned in Scripture. So I know that's creative, the titling, and uh, get all crazy on that. But we're going to go to Genesis chapter 8, and we're going to find Noah and his family just about to get off the ark after being on board for a year and 10 days. Can you imagine, right? I'm sure they were ready for some fresh air. Uh, Genesis chapter 8. Wow. A year and 10 days on an ark. That's a long time, right? Have you ever been anywhere shut in for a year and 10 days? But if you've been for a year and 10 days shut in with a group of camels and dinosaurs and cows, and sheep, you're ready for some fresh air. Genesis 8, and we're going to start in verse number 14 this morning. And in the second month, on the 7th and 20th day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both the fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. And took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. So we already said a minute ago, uh, the altar that Noah built is the first recorded altar for worship in human history. Now, there may have been altars before this, uh, but there's no record of them. And some historians believe that altars were not required before the flood because the presence of God was still visible at the gate of Eden. 
where God had placed cherubims with flaming swords after Adam and Eve uh, had to leave the garden because of their sin. And if you ever read about that, it's in Genesis 3. Uh, not to get too deep into this topic, though, uh, this altar in Genesis 8 is the first one ever mentioned. And uh, so they get off the ark, and before Noah builds a hut or a house, or before he plants a garden, before he does anything else, he builds an altar to God. And, uh, and so this is really a, a groundbreaking thing in human history. And uh, as we look at this first altar today, I want to look at some uh, correlating things of what it means in our lives today. And, and this month, we're really focusing uh, on the purpose of worship. Uh, God has given to the local church five purposes, and they are found in the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the purpose of worship. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the purpose of ministry. And the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's evangelism. And to teach them to observe all things uh, whatsoever I've commanded you to. That's discipleship. And to bring them into the fellowship of the church through baptism, through membership. And uh, so out of those five purposes, this month we're focusing on the purpose of worship. And uh, what it means for us to personally have a walk with God what it means for us to corporately have a walk with God. And so we're going to look at Noah's life today. The notes are provided in your bulletin, and they're also on the YouVersion app, uh, already preloaded if you want to go through them on there. Let's look at this first part of the message today. The resources were already provided. The resources were already provided. God had already given Noah everything that would be needed for an altar of sacrifice. And we're going to develop this, and I want you to see that in your own life. Uh, Noah had already been given what was needed to complete this altar. I want you to look back to Genesis 7, and uh, look at the first verse. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast... Thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Okay, so Noah was going to take seven male and seven female of each clean animal on the ark. Now, what was a clean animal? Okay, uh, was it an animal that took a bath every day? You know, it was an animal that uh, washed itself regularly? Uh, no, a clean animal was an animal that could be eaten or sacrificed. And apparently God had informed people about what these were. Uh, and in the law, this is actually given in Exodus and Leviticus on what the clean animals were that could be eaten or sacrificed to God. And so when you hear about Noah and the ark, uh, everybody knows that uh, Noah took two of each animal. But this says that Noah took seven of seven male, seven female, of the clean animals. And God instructed Noah to take these animals on the ark so that they could be placed on the altar over a year later. Okay, so, so God had already prepared it. He had already set it up. As they exited the ark, Noah took a pair, or the seventh part, 
The seventh part is an indicator of perfection. He took the seventh part of all the clean animals and the clean birds and included them in his offering to God on the altar. Now, could I tell you that God has already given you the materials that are needed to present yourself as a living sacrifice to him? God has already placed within your life what is needed for you to live for him. He's already put it there. God is the owner of everything. And we're just managers of God's stuff. God provides resources and abilities and experiences and passions that we will need to worship and serve him. Paul said this in, in Romans 12, and if there's a, a memory verse for the day that you should learn and for this series, uh, this would be a good one, Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, if God would give me a million dollars, I would do this, right? Have you ever thought that? Like, God, uh, you know, if I just happened to find a lottery ticket on the ground that was worth $3 million, I would do this. God, uh, how many remember old Ed McMahon in the sweepstakes, uh, Publishers Clearing House, not even first service remembers this? I for sure can't tell this in second service then. Um, uh, remember, they'd bring the big check out, and they'd have, uh, he'd come out with a microphone to do the video, and the microphone still had a cord, right? So he walks up to these people's door, and he knocks on their door, hey, good morning there, Peggy Lee, uh, you have won the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes of $1 million, and uh, Christians all over the nation, uh, they wouldn't gamble in the lottery, they wouldn't go to Vegas or Atlantic City but they for sure sent in their publisher's clearinghouse, right? Uh, because it had no postage necessary. Right? Now, if, it po if you paid the postage, that's gambling, right? I'm getting, I'm getting the nitty-gritty of the Christian rules that were around back in the 60s and 70s. If you put the stamp on, then not only did you commit a gambling crime against God, but you may have committed a federal crime. You just never know. Uh, but Ed McMahon, he'd come and do the sweepstakes, and all these Christians, when they did their prayers, I lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord my soul to keep, and God, if you want Ed to knock on my door in the morning, make sure he's there. Uh, because if, if I could win the publisher's clearinghouse, I would have something to give to you. Right? God, if you would give me this job, then I would do this. God, if you would give me a family like that person has, uh, I could do this for you. Can I tell you an important sentence? There aren't any ifs in serving God. There aren't any. There are no ifs in serving God. We take what God has already provided. God's not going to change who he made you to be so that you can serve him in a different way. God's going to use who he made you to be to serve him as you are. And, and so instead of keep praying, God, if you change this in my life, then I'll serve you. If you change this circumstance, I'll serve you. There aren't any ifs in serving God. We have to take what God has already given us, the time, the energy, the resources, the abilities, the influence, 
And we use it now in the present as a living sacrifice. Noah could have saved all the clean animals for himself and for his family as they started to renew life on planet Earth. Because uh, really there wasn't anything else for him to eat at that moment. All the vegetation had been completely destroyed and it was starting to come back. Uh, There was some fish available, but they were now, um, Noah and his family were now on the top of the highest mountain. And, uh, And so they didn't have much to eat, but yet he willingly gave the seventh part of every single clean animal to God. Now, that's a lot of animals to sacrifice. That's a a testimony of real worship. And I I know that we're going to get into animal sacrifice a little bit in this series to understand, well, what does it mean? Well, why were they uh, so into the blood of animals? You know, why did Solomon, when he opened the temple, why did they dedicate 100,000 sheep to God on that day? Can you imagine this, right? Commentators say as you walk down the street to the temple that there was a river of blood in the street from the animals. And in our generation, that's tough for us to understand, isn't it? Right? It's like, why? Well, what was the meaning of all this? Uh, because there are a lot of people, especially like in New York City, who still don't know where meat came from. Right? <laughs> they think that they got it at the grocery store. They don't have any idea that it came from an animal that had blood. Yeah, and so what's the sacrifice all about? Well, it, it starts with this living sacrifice for us. And yeah, let's talk about this next idea. Noah's altar was constructed only for God worship. There was only one reason to build an altar, and it was for God. That's the only reason. Now, what would it look like if the only reason we do what we do is for the glory of God? What would that look like? We would be doing exactly what we've been created to do. If that's what we did, we'd be doing exactly what we were created to do. The Lord is worthy to receive all glory, all honor, and all power. For he has created all things. And for his pleasure, they are and were created. God made us to bring him glory. That's our number one purpose in life. It's the essence of worship. It's what worship is. God made you to bring glory to him. Today, on Sunday, tomorrow, on Monday, the next day, on Tuesday, every month of the year, every week of your life, God made you to bring glory to him. There's never a time where you get to say, you know what? I'm on a break from bringing glory to God. Right? Because that's what God made you to do. Every second of your life, God made you to bring glory to him. Now, you don't, God's not standing up there in heaven at the whiteboard saying, okay, we got to see if uh, Levi checked the box here. He went to church on Sunday, check. Okay, uh, and uh, then uh, he shaved his beard, check. And uh, look at this kid. I, he, he's, I mean, you think of Grizzly Adams as a young man. That's, that's our Levi. And, and, it, and God's not up there at the whiteboard making sure that you did all these things to glorify him. He loves you. Do you remember when your kids were little and you'd stand in the door of their room and just watch them sleep? 
And it's so peaceful. And you were so happy because there was peace. Right? And they're, they're not screaming. They're not wanting food. It's been a couple hours since the last dirty diaper. And the world's at peace. And you're just, man, so beautiful. I enjoy sleep. And, uh, and then when they got a little bit older, remember the pitter-patter of their feet? And how that sound was so precious to you? And, uh, and now sometimes you get to experience maybe with your grandkids or whatever. But that pitter-patter of feet, even when it was at 5.15 in the morning, and uh, they climb up in your bed, and, and uh, you just enjoyed every moment. That's how God is with us. We're made to glorify him, and he enjoys every minute of our lives. And, and we don't have to go and uh, do a certain list to glorify him. Glorifying him is more about the heart than it is about the action. Now, there are actions we can do to glorify God and to worship him, and we'll see some of those in the series. But our number one purpose in life is to bring glory to God. Yeah, I mentioned a moment ago, Noah gave generously out of the food supply that God had set aside for his family. God was supreme. God worship was the first priority. And we need, we need to make sure that our altars are built for God worship and not for ourselves. Uh, my wife showed me this humorous take on worship last week, and I asked her to put it up on the screens for us this morning. Uh, random churchgoer, I really didn't like worship today. And Francis Chan said, that's okay, we weren't worshiping you, right? Because that's what American Christianity is today. Uh, well, I didn't really enjoy worship today that much. Just, that's fine. We're not here to worship you. We're here to worship God. And sometimes we lose the focus of what it's all about. And we think the altar is about us. Like, well, i got to build a really good altar because people are going to come by and look at the altar uh, to see what it looks like. Right? Oh, man, i got to make sure I look right for church today because everybody's going to be looking at me. Now, actually, we came here to worship God. Now, we'd like you to brush your teeth and comb your hair, but we came to worship God. And it's all about Him. It's not about us. The altar isn't about a show of what we're doing. It's about him, it's about God. The altars we construct are supposed to be completely for God's glory. Not so our names can be praised. Not so we can build our own personal little kingdoms. Not so we can get a pat on the back. Not so we can get people like us more. All glory and praise to the Lamb that was slain, who has borne all our sins and has cleansed every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. We don't find that Noah used a lot of words in this time of worship. In fact, if you look at when he built the altar, he didn't use any words. Uh, but his actions said a lot. And it's, it's about the heart combined with the actions, bringing glory to God. Now, I want you to see this next part. Noah's worship was for God's providential protection. His worship was for God's providential protection. Uh, put yourself in, in Noah's sandals for just a second to think about this. Every person that they knew was gone. Every extended family member, 
all the neighbors, all the artists, all the chefs, all the musicians, all the educators, even though Noah had preached for almost a hundred years, nobody had listened. They refused to get on the ark. Noah and his family got on the ark. God shut the door. The rain started. By the way, it had never rained before. And it rained enough until the ark began to float. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, and the ark kept floating higher and higher until all the hills were covered. And the, the floodwaters were so horrible that they covered the entire earth for five months after the rain finally stopped. Rivers appeared where there had been no rivers before. Massive canyons and geological features were created by the runoff. Anybody ever been in the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Uh, I hate to disappoint all the geologists and the people who talk at the Grand Canyon about how this canyon was formed over billions and billions of years of the Colorado River carving its way through this canyon. It actually was formed in a very short time. Uh, as the runoff of the flood uh, went through there at a rapid pace. Okay, and I'm not here to get in an argument with you if you're a geologist. So what I'm saying is this. Uh, God and his flood uh, did a massive number on this earth. And uh, millions and millions of fossils were instantly solidified as the face of the earth was quickly and drastically changed. And uh, there is a layer of fossils on the earth where there are billions of fossils all in the same layer. Wonder how that happened. Uh, Noah and his family stayed on the ark still. And, and finally the waters went down enough to open the window and they could see the tops of the mountains. And it, can you imagine the emotions of the eight people who survived the worst natural disaster there will ever be? How do we know what their feelings were? Well, we look at their first action step after getting off the boat. Noah built an altar. And, and though his family had just been through the greatest storm in world history and all other human life had been destroyed, Noah realized that he and his family had experienced grace. I love Genesis 6, 8. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a sinner just like us, but he received God's grace. You say, well, was God's grace available to everyone? I believe it was. But people wouldn't accept it. They weren't interested. They didn't want anything to do with God. They wanted to live however they felt. They didn't want any accountability. In fact, it says in Genesis 6 that their, imagine, uh, their imaginations were only evil continually. And Noah knew that he didn't deserve God's grace, but he certainly was thankful for it. And I, I'm sure he was amazed by God's providence. After all, it was God's message to him that had saved his life. God's the one who had come to Noah and said, hey, Noah, build an ark out of gopher wood. Make it this long and this high and this wide. There's going to be a flood. And Noah believed and obeyed, and God did the rest. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to believe what he says and obey what he says, and he does the rest. That's how it works. We believe, we obey, 
He does the rest. Now, Noah's worship was also for future blessings. This is the next part. Noah's worship was also for future blessings. Uh, I believe that Noah's altar was a thank you for God's work in the past, but it was also a consecration of their lives to do God's work in the future. And just as Noah had shown faith by following God's instruction in the past, he was prepared to worship through obedience in the future. And when we walk with God in worship, we're doing the same thing. We're praising God for what he's done in the past, but we're committing ourselves to him fresh and new. And that's what the altar means to New Testament believers. Uh, we don't have to sacrifice animals because Jesus was sacrificed for us once for all. And, and now we can willingly decide to go on the altar every day. Now I just tell you, there's a dead spot right there. I'll come back over here. Uh, your flesh does not want uh, you to go on the altar. Your flesh would rather run the other way do whatever it wants to do. Uh, in fact, even this morning, uh, you wake up and you look out the window, oh, it's snowing. I don't know if we should go to church today. Right? But if it was snowing on Friday, you still went to the store at 2 a.m. so you could buy, you know, the latest gadget for $18 instead of 19 <laughs> Right? That, that's how Christianity is. Our flesh doesn't naturally run toward the altar. Our flesh naturally runs away from the altar. It does. It wants to do what it wants to do. But the spiritual nature, the Holy Spirit agreeing with our spirit, calls us into relationship. Back to the altar again. And I love this last part of the message. God was pleased by Noah's altar of worship. And I want you to look at verse number 21. This is so profound. Genesis 8, 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. The Lord smelled a sweet savor. You ever think about how God smells stuff? Oh, the sense of smell related to God? It's crazy, isn't it? Jehovah smelled a sweet savor. You walk in the house and there are fresh chocolate chip cookies in the oven. You guys know this smell? You know this smell? Uh, you walk in from Sunday church, and your mom has a pot roast that's been in the oven all morning. You guys know this smell? Uh, honeydew melon, a rose, coffee brewing in the morning, bacon frying. Grass just after it's been mowed. New car smell. Old car smell. <laughs> the smell just after a rainstorm. Coconut. Pizza. Campfire. Home. You know what home smells like? Isn't that funny? We know what home smells like. Books. Books have a smell. Christmas tree, right? Artificial Christmas tree. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. 
Here's what I read from a science book. The human nose has roughly 400 types of scent receptors. That's just our scent receptors that can detect at least one trillion odors. Can I repeat the last sentence? The human nose has roughly 400 types of scent receptors that can detect at least one trillion odors. Somebody please tell Cincy about this so they can expand their business even further. One trillion odors. Is that crazy or what? I wonder where we get that from. Can you imagine if we had one trillion scent possibilities that evolved somehow? I wonder if maybe they came from our Creator. Do you know the sense of smell is closely linked with memory? Maybe more than all of our other senses. That's why there are certain foods that you still won't eat. Bad childhood experiences. For me, it's plum jelly. And I won't even tell you the story. Let's just say I'm never eating it again. Thanks to my little sister, Laura, and her experience. Uh, Noah built the altar. He sacrificed clean animals on it. All of a sudden, God's nose perked up. Mm, I love that smell. What smell? Faith. Worship. Redemption. Commitment. Now, the New Testament version of this is in 2 Corinthians 2, where Paul writes, We, the family of God, the people of God, the redeemed ones, those who have accepted Jesus Christ by faith, we, we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. We. Uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament smelled like faith and redemption to God. And the sacrifices of the New Testament, remember, uh, we're the living sacrifices that willingly put our lives in the altar. And what do we smell like to God? We smell like Jesus. We smell like the Son of God. Full redemption, not just partial. Fully revealed faith, not just partially revealed. God was pleased by Noah's altar. Noah's altar and his offering were acceptable to God. And, and God says, man, that smells good. Let me make a covenant with you, Noah. That smells so good. Let me make a covenant with you. Uh, you remember a, another time there was a smell? Uh, this is also in Genesis. There were two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And Esau had been out hunting all day. And he wasn't able to get anything. And he was so hungry, thought he was going to die. And he smells in, inside the house, as he walks in the door, this aroma of the, the best chili that had ever been made, right? And he walks in, and he says to his brother, Jacob, who stands behind the stove, hey, give me a bowl of that chili, man. I'm about to die. And Jacob says, I won't give you this bowl of chili unless you give me your birthright, which was a big thing back in that day. And Esau, he thinks about it for a second. He says, give me the, birth, or give me the bowl of chili because the birthright's not going to do me any good if I die of starvation. 
And for a bowl of chili that smelt good, he gave away his entire birthright. That's the power of smell mixed with hunger, right? Have you ever been on a diet and all of a sudden you smelt this food? You're like, forget about it. It smells too good. I can't, I can't withstand because the smell of it made you so hungry that it caused you, it spurred you into action. Now, you remember when you were dating your significant other and just the smell of his cologne or the smell of her perfume just brought you to the point where it dropped you to your knees, it broke you as a human being, right? You're, you're a grown man, you're so strong, but when she walked into the room with that perfume, your soul just buckled, right? My wife says it this way, that i got to remember how she says it, about your eyes. Your eyes light up when she walks in the room. That's what it is. I still don't even, I don't even know how your eyes light up. I've thought about, like, do you get LEDs and you connect them? There's just some soul connection with this. Your eyes light up when they walk into the room. What, what's it from? It's from this savor. And so God smells this and he says, Hey, Noah, let me make a covenant with you. And you could read the covenant that Noah made with God in Genesis 9. And basically it said this, I'm going to bless you. Noah, you and your sons need to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Because every family of the earth is going to come through you and your descendants. And he said, you're a higher creation than any of the animals that were in the ark with you. They're afraid of you. You can raise them for food. You can hunt them for meat. God established human government through them, including the foundation of capital punishment, which came from God, not man. Whoso sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. It's in Genesis 9, 6. You can look at it even right now if you want. But then after you look at it, look back up here so we can keep going. Uh, God promised that the earth would never again be universally flooded. God gave them the promise through the symbol of the rainbow. Could we please remember that that symbol came from God? Could we please remember what the symbol meant when God said it? God follows through with some amazing things when he smells faith and redemption. And when God smells those who believe in Jesus... He smells the cleansing sacrifice of his son for his sins. And he makes a covenant with us. The covenant of eternal life. The promise of heaven. No more tears. No more crying. No more pain. And he offers us this promise, not through the rainbow, but through the indwelling spirit of God. Our own personal rainbow. Our own personal reminder that our spirit agrees with his spirit, that he's got big plans for our lives, that we're pleasing to him through Jesus, that we're accepted in the beloved. Now, this is just the first altar in the Bible. Can you imagine what we're going to find as we get into more of them? Uh, I want to take it a second as we finish to apply what we've heard. Uh, let's figure out, well, what does this have to do with us? So this happened 4,500 years ago. You know, God 
as we said, has already given you the resources that are needed for you to be a living sacrifice. You don't need anything else right now in your life to serve God. You've got what you need to serve him today. You just have to do it. You can be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. In fact, because of what Jesus did, uh, Romans 12 says it's reasonable that we would willingly offer our lives and everything in them to God. It's reasonable. Are you presenting your body and your resources to God? Or are you taking ownership of what God wants to be on the altar? We hear it from the culture every day. This is my body. I get to choose what's right from my body. Uh, This is my money. This is my privilege. I'm always convicted by the three questions that Paul asked uh, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. And this is a great verse for you to know. In fact, if you've never seen this verse, memorize this verse. This would be a powerful one on this weekend after Thanksgiving uh, to get into your life and to get into your home and to get into your kids. The three questions he asked were these. Who made you different from others? Easy answer on that. God. Right? If you have anything that stands out in your life as being good, it came from God. Who made you different from others? God did. Next question. What do you have that you didn't receive? Think about that one for a minute. What do you have that you didn't receive? Absolutely nothing. And the third question, if you received everything, why are you glorying like it's your own? Right? Why are you acting like you're all that when everything you have came from God? Gratitude comes to the answer to those three questions. Maybe you remember the chorus of this old hymn. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. And so the first altar is they got off the ark. Noah stopped everything, and he said, family, gather around. We're going to make an altar to God because God has kept us safe. He's provided for us, and we're going to yield our lives to him through faith and obedience. And when the smoke of the altar started to go up, God was pleased. You know, God would be pleased today if we would make a commitment in our hearts to serve him this week, to be real with him, to be authentic with him, to walk with him. Let's make today the the altar that pleases God. And let's pray together. God, thank you that we could come in this morning to worship you on this snowy day and be reminded that there's nothing we have that we haven't received, that you're the one who made us different. You're the one who's blessed us. Help us never to glory in the things that you've given to us, but to glory in you. And help us to remember that we're made to glorify you, and that you're pleased when we glorify you, that you're pleased by faith, and that you love the smell 
of your family, those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. And we pray as we go out today that you would help us to make our lives authentic representations of Jesus Christ throughout this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.